ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So we were coming to the end of the chapter of Janais. We came to the hadith of Jabir radiyallahu anhu. Anna al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallama qal La tudfinu mawtakum bil-layl illa antadarru Hadith that mentions do not bury your dead by night unless you are compelled. The hadith prior to that, the hadith prior to that, that is the one that we left off on, the hadith of Anas. Radiallahu anhu qal, shahid. بِنْتًا لِلنَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ تُدْفًا وَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ جَالِسٌ عِنْدَ الْقَبْرِ فَرَأَيْتُ عَيْنَيْهِ تَدْمَعَانِ رواه البخاري In this hadith, Anas رضي الله عنه says, I saw or I witnessed a daughter of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being buried. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam jalisun indal qabr. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sitting at the grave, the side of the grave. Faraaytu aynayhi tadma'an. Anas radiallahu anhu says, I saw his eyes shedding tears. So this hadith tells us that Anas radiallahu anhu witnessed the burial of one of the daughters of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We know that all of the children of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam died during his lifetime except Fatima radiallahu anha who lived for a few more months after him sallallahu alayhi wasallam so all of his children died during his lifetime bar one here it mentions one of his daughters who had died and her burial was being conducted anas radiyallahu anhu saw that witnessed that the scholars they differed over which daughter in particular, this was. لِأَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ تُوفِيَ لَهُ عِدَّةْ بَنَاتٍ وَهُوَ حَيْءٍ تُوفِيَتْ رُقَيَّةٌ وَتُوفِيَتْ أُمْكُ الْثُومِ وَتُوفِيَتْ زَيْنَبٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُنَّ There were several daughters of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم who died during his lifetime. There was, as mentioned here, رُقَيَّةٌ أُمْكُ الْثُومِ and Zainab. 
أما رقية فكانت زوجة لعثمان بن عفان رقية was the wife of عثمان ابن عفان وتوفيت نعم فلما ماتت زوجه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بنته الثانية أم كثوم when she died when Ruqayya died the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم married his other daughter to Uthman Um Kulthum ثم ماتت معه رضي الله عنه ثم قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لو كان عندي ابنة ثالثة لزوجتك إياها so she died also Um Kulthum and the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to Uthman if I had a third daughter I would marry her to you too وأما زينب فكانت مع العاص ابن أبي الربيع توفيت في عهده صلى الله عليه وسلم the other daughter was Zainab who also died during the lifetime of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم she was with العاص ابن أبي الربيع so the hadith could mean any one of them لكن ذكر رقية بعيد لأنها توفيت والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم غائب في غزوة بدر ودفنت والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في غزوة بدر However the fact that it could be Zainab or Ruqayya rather the fact that it could be Ruqayya is far-fetched it is likely not Ruqayya because at the time when she passed away the Prophet ﷺ was in the Battle of Badr and she was buried whilst he was in the Battle of Badr. So it is unlikely this event is talking about uh, Ruqayya. But it could have been Zainab and it could have been Umm Kulthum. But the point is anyway, the point is that Anas mentions he saw the Prophet ﷺ at the funeral, at the burial of his daughter and that he was crying. Tears were being shed from his eyes. رأيت عينيه تدمعان هذا دليل على أن البكاء على الميت لا يدخل في النياحة. The previous narrations had been talking about wailing at the death of somebody, wailing and screaming and shouting and saying wrong things, but just crying from emotion at the death of one of your beloved ones. There is nothing wrong with that. Shedding tears, crying, just normal crying from that emotion and shedding tears at the death of a beloved one, there is nothing wrong with that. It is the wailing and the screaming and the shouting and losing control. That is what is prohibited. Here, when the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ died, he cried. He cried upon uh, the burial when it was being conducted. ولذلك ساقه المصنف رحمه الله بعد أحاديث المنع من النياحة ليدل على أن مجرد البكاء لا يضرب ولا يعد من النياحة لأنه ناشئ عن الرحمة والشفقة وأيضا الإنسان لا يستطيع أن يمنع البكاء خلاف النياحة فإنها باختياره so this indicates now that simply crying, shedding tears at the death of someone, that isn't prohibited. That is simply the mercy and the compassion that you have for that deceased individual and you shed tears 
There is nothing wrong with that. That is something that you may not be able to control. The emotion and the compassion you have for that deceased individual, that it brings about the tears without control from yourself. And that is not a problem. But the screaming and the shouting and the wailing, that is something that you can control. And you should not allow that to occur. That is prohibited. Similarly, there is another example of when the son of the Prophet ﷺ died. لَمَّا تُوفِيَ ابْنُهُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ قَالْ الْعَيْنُ تَدْمَعْ وَالْقَلْبُ يَحْزَنْ وَلَا نَقُولُ إِلَّا مَا يُرْضِ الرَّبِّ وَإِنَّا بِكَ يَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ لَمَحْزُونُونَ In the example regarding the death of the son of the Prophet ﷺ, Ibrahim, when he died, the Prophet ﷺ said, Indeed, the eye sheds a tear. The eyes, they shed tears. And the heart is saddened. But we will not say, except that which pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed, we are grieving at the loss of you, O Ibrahim. That the Prophet ﷺ was, of course, grieving over the loss of his son and he shed tears and his heart was in a state of grief however he said we will not say or do anything except that which pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and similarly the prophet sallallahu said Allah does not punish you because of the shedding of tears, nor because of the grief in your heart. But rather, He only punishes by it or shows mercy. And then He pointed to His tongue. That Allah does not hold you accountable for shedding tears or feeling grief in your heart and sorrow at the loss of somebody beloved. But he holds you accountable for this. And then he pointed to his tongue. Meaning if you wail and you scream and you shout and you say wrong things, that you'll be held accountable upon. Hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Wallahu jalla wa ala la yu'adhib bi al-qalb wa la al-ayn. So Allah does not punish a person because of grief in the heart or because of the shedding of tears. Rather Allah punishes a person because of what he says on his tongue from that screaming and wailing. And maybe another person is the opposite. He says good things with his tongue and he is patient upon the decree of Allah, so he's rewarded for that. In the Quran, Allah mentions, الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ أُولَئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ صَلَوَاتٌ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ وَرَحْمَةٌ وَأُولَئِكَ هُمْ الْمُهْدَدُونَ That those whom, when a calamity befalls them, they say, indeed, to Allah we are, and to Him we will return. 
Those are the ones whom the salutations from their Lord are upon. He, he, peace is upon and mercy is upon and they are the ones who are rightly guided. And this is a third example now. So the Prophet shed tears at the death of his daughter. He shed tears at the death of his son. There is another example now where on one occasion one of his grandchildren was brought to him. One of his grandchildren who died as a child. One of his grandchildren, one of his grandchildren, his daughter's son, was brought to him. And that child was in the stage of death, was about to die. Something occurred to that child in childhood and was about to die. نَفْسُهُ فَبَكَى صَلَّى اللَّهُ عِلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فَقَالَ لَهُ بَعْضُ الصَّحَابَةِ So when the Prophet saw the child and the child was in that difficulty of death occurring now, so the Prophet cried. And the Sahaba who were there and saw him crying, they said to him, مَا هَذَا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ They said, what is this, O Messenger of Allah? What is this, O Messenger of Allah? Meaning crying at this, what you see. قال, the Prophet said to them, This is mercy that Allah has placed in my heart. And indeed Allah shows mercy to those from his servants who are merciful. This is a mercy that Allah has placed in our hearts. And Allah shows mercy to his servants, the ones themselves who are merciful. So the Prophet ﷺ, he clarified that to them, that this is from the mercy and the compassion towards this child that the tears they shed. So crying because of the compassion and the mercy you have for that person, a person is not held accountable upon that. And that does not come into the issue of niyaha, the screaming and wailing and saying wrong things of jahiliyyah, which is a major sin. This natural type of crying and being somewhat emotional at the time of the death of someone, that is natural. And nobody is held accountable upon that. Then we come to this next hadith. Hadith of Jabir. رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا تدفنوا موتاكم بالليل Do not bury your deceased at night إلا أن تضطروا except if you have no choice أخرجه ابن ماجا وأصله في مسلم this hadith is reported by Ibn Majah and the origin of it, the basis of it is in Sahih Muslim. لكن قال زجر أن يقبر الرجل بالليل حتى يصلى عليه. That the Prophet ﷺ, he uh, spoke against or he uh, uh, gave them some warning against burying a person by night until the prayer is done upon him. So here now, The hadith tells us regarding burying somebody at night. It seems to indicate that it is 
impermissible to bury anyone at night. فهو يدل على أن الدفن بالنهار أحسن لكن هل الدفن بالليل يكون محرما أو يكون مكروها أو فيه تفصيل What is then the ruling on burying somebody at night? What is the actual ruling? Is it haram? Is it just makruh? What is the actual ruling? Because the hadith here says do not bury your dead at night unless you have no choice. So now the shaykh is going to explain what is the actual bottom ruling on this then? Is it haram to bury anybody at night? Or is it just makruh, etc.? He says, لا يحرم الدفن بالليل It is not impermissible to bury somebody at night. لأن أبا بكر رضي الله عنه دفن بالليل أبو بكر الصديق رضي الله عنه He was buried at night. When he died, his burial, it occurred at night. وَلِأَنَّ عَلِيًّا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ دَفَنَ فَاطِمَ بِنْتَ الرَّسُولَ سَلَّمْ بِاللَّيْلِ Similarly, when Fatima رضي الله عنها died, the daughter of the Prophet وسلم, who was married to Ali رضي الله عنه, when she died, he buried her at night. So these examples would indicate to you that it's not haram. To bury somebody at night. فَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الدَّفْن بِاللَّيْلِ لَيْسَ مُحَرَّمًا وَإِنَّمَا الدَّفْن بِالنَّهَارِ أو فِي النَّهَارِ أَحْسَنْ مِنْهُ So these examples of some of the Sahaba burying people at night would indicate that it's not haram to bury somebody at night. But the narration there says don't do it unless you're compelled, unless you have no choice. So it would indicate so far that you can bury at night, it's not haram, but it's better to do it during the daytime. In kanat dafn bil-layl yataratab alayhi taqseer fi haqq al-mayyit min haith ihsan taqseelah wa takfeenah wa kathrat al-musallina alayhi fa'idha dufna bil-layl hasala alayhi naqs fi hadhi al-umur fa'innahu yukrah al-dafn bil-layl lima yatasabab anhu min al-taqseer fi haqq al-mayyit. The shaykh says, if burying somebody at night is going to cause shortcoming to arise with regards to his washing, the washing of the body, it's going to be difficult at night. And shrouding him properly is going to be difficult at night. And people coming to pray the janazah, not so many are going to come at night. If those kinds of shortcomings are going to happen because it's at night with the washing and the shrouding and the number of people coming to pray the janazah, if all of that is going to have shortcomings in it because of the time, the night time, then it is better that the burial should not be done at night time. It is makruh to do it at night time if you're going to end up with shortcomings in the washing and the Shrouding and the number of people praying on that janazah. And the wording of one of the other narrations indicates this, where it says, Hatta yusalla alayh. Do not bury the person by night until he is prayed upon. So it indicates that one of the reasons why a night burial is not something recommended is because of the numbers upon the janazah 
they would be depleted, they would be less overnight. فَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمَنْعَ أَوْ النهي عن الدفن بالليل من أجل أن يكثر المسلون عليه في النهار indicates that one of the reasons why the nighttime burial is not recommended is so that because you can have more people praying upon that person during the day, there'll be more people to come and pray upon him during the day. And we mentioned the hadith before about the people of Tawheed coming and many coming to pray upon that person. So that's one of the reasons mentioned. But if none of those shortcomings are going to occur, you can properly do the washing, properly do the shrouding. Everybody will still turn out who was going to come for the funeral. There's no shortcoming anywhere. Then it's not an issue. It can be done at night. Just like with Abu Bakr, it was done at night. And with Fatima, it was done at night. And in fact, the Prophet ﷺ buried some of the companions who died at night. There are some narrations in the seerah about that too. So it is allowed to do it at night as long as there's not going to be any deficiency that arises around that funeral, uh, 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 the funeral arrangements and the burial and the number of people praying. So that is the conclusion the Shaykh makes on this narration that it is not haram to bury somebody at night but it is preferred to do it at daytime. If there's not going to be any deficiency in doing it at nighttime, then no problem it can be done. Just like it was done with some of the Sahaba. But if there is going to be some deficiency, less people are going to come and pray, etc. That's a deficiency. Then better it be done during the day. Then, عن عبد الله ibn جعفر رضي الله عنهما قال لما جاء نعي جعفر حين قتل قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اصنعوا لآل جعفر طعاما فقد أتاهم ما يشغلهم أخرجه الخمسة إلا النساء This now mentions that the Prophet لما جاء نعي جعفر حين قتل that when the news came of the death of, it mentions, Abihi, the father of Ja'far, the news came of his death, Al-Murad, Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, Shaqiq Ali ibn Abi Talib, وَكَانَ مِنَ السَّابِقِينَ الْأَوَّلِينَ إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ وَمِمَنْ هَاجَرَ إِلَى الْحَبَشَةَ الْهِجْرَةَ الْأُولَى وَبَعَثَهُ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ فِي بَعَثٍ إِلَى الشَّامِ لِغَزْوَةِ الرُّومِ وَجَعَلَهُ قَائِدًا عَلَى الْجَيْشِ لأن الروم تحركوا لغزو المسلمين فالنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بادرهم أرسل جيشا يتكون من ثلاثة آلاف مقاتل وجعل القيادة لجعفر بن أبي طالب فإنه استشهد فالقائد زيد بن حارث مولاه فإن, فإن استشهد فالقائد عبد الله بن رواحة رضي الله عنهم فتلاقى الجيشان في مكان يقال له مؤته في أرض الشام وكان عدد المسلمين ثلاثة, ثلاثة آلاف عدد الروم مئة ألف تشاور المسلمون فعزموا على القتال فقاتلوا ثلاثة آلاف في مقابل مئة ألف واستشهد جعفر بن أبي طالب رضي الله عنه فأخذ الراية بعد زيد بن حارثة بعده زيد بن حارثة 
فاستشهد رضي الله عنه ثم أخذ الراية عبد الله بن رواحة فاستشهد رضي الله عنه ثم أخذ الراية خالد بن وليد فلما أخذ الراية ورأى أن المسلمين وقعوا في خطر انحاز بهم حتى أبعدهم عن أرض المعركة وانتهت المعركة جاء الخبر من السماء إلى المسلم باستشهاد ثلاثة وهو في المدينة فأخبر أصحابه بذلك وأمر أن يصنع لآل جعفر يعني أهل بيت جعفر زوجته وأولاده يصنع لهم طعام لأنهم جاءهم يشغلهم في المصيبة أو من المصيبة فلا يتفرغون لصنع الطعام لأنفسهم Here now it mentions then when the news came of Ja'far When the news came of the death of Ja'far Na'ihi يعني الأخبار الإخبار بموته And here it is referring to Ja'far the son of Ja'far ibn Abi Talib and so Ja'far was the brother of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Ja'far was the brother of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, Ali ibn Abi Talib. And Ja'far was from the early ones into Islam also. And he had made the hijra to Habasha. The first hijra to Habasha. And then the Prophet ﷺ had sent him to Sham to fight the Romans. And he was the leader of the army. Because when the Romans, they came, they moved their army to fight the Muslims, the Prophet ﷺ preempted them and sent an army made up of 300 fighters. And the leadership was given to Ja'far ibn Abi Talib. And it was mentioned to them that if Ja'far ibn Abi Talib is killed, then the leader will be Zayd ibn Haritha, his freed slave. And if he is killed, then it's going to be Abdullah ibn Rawaha. So then the armies they met in a place called Mu'tah, in the land of Sham, and the Muslims were 3,000, and the Romans were 100,000. So the Muslims, they... Uh, uh, had the discussion amongst themselves uh, and they decided and they were firm upon the decision that they will fight. So the 3,000 of them fought against the 100,000. Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, he was killed. He was martyred. So then Zayd ibn Haritha took the leadership of the army. He was also then killed. Then Abdullah ibn Rawaha took over the leadership of the army. He was also killed. Then after him, Khalid ibn al-Walid took over the leadership of the army. And when he saw that they were in great danger, obviously very few, 3,000 versus 100,000, he saw the danger and what was occurring. So then he, uh, with his plan in that battle, retreated the Muslims to one side away. And then that battle ended at that time. And then afterwards the news came to the Prophet ﷺ from Revelation that those three had died in that battle. And so he said to uh, the people that they should prepare food for the family of Ja'far, the house of Ja'far, meaning his wife and his children, because they are not going to be preoccupied with this calamity which has befallen them. 
and therefore they will not have the time to prepare food and to be involved in those affairs. Hadith therefore indicates when somebody dies, the neighbors should prepare the food and look after the family of the one whom, uh, or the family of the deceased. Neighbors should all look after the family of that deceased, prepare the food for them. They should prepare enough food for that family. And if people have come to visit that family, as people do when somebody dies, then the neighbors should take the responsibility of sorting all the food out and everything for the family and all the people coming to visit and give their condolences. It is wrong what people do now. Somebody dies and that family, they don't get any chance to even mourn or anything. They're busy with preparations and food and where's it going to come from? Where are people going to sit and drinks and food and, and the, the bread? and They're involved in organizing an event for all of these people coming. And they are the ones who have lost one of their beloved ones in their family. This is a mistake. The sunnah is that the neighbors should take care of all of that. Allow the family to be in that time when somebody has died from them. So the neighbor should look after the needs of the food and even people coming from outside. The neighbor should look after them and give the food, etc. That's the sunnah. So the neighbor should prepare that food in that uh, uh, condolence and in that support for the family of the deceased. وَأَيْضًا هُمْ بِحَاجَةٍ إِلَى الطَّعَامِ فَيَكُونُ فِي ذَلِكَ مَعَاوَنَ لَهُمْ هذا هو السنة So this is uh, goodness and cooperation with them and aiding them because of course that family will need food but they shouldn't have to be worried about that type of thing now in that situation of death uh, the neighbors should look after those affairs أَمَّا العكس, As for the opposite of what happens that the family of the deceased they prepare all of this food and all of the people they come and they sit with them and they sit in these tents that they make. The family prepares those tents. These days here now you have a house or you have the mosque. They see all of the men sit in the mosque, all of the women go to this house. And then the family of the deceased are making all the arrangements and the food and everything. This type of thing, it is a sin, it is wrong, it is bid'ah. Because it is in opposition to the sunnah. And because it puts a burden upon the family of the deceased. Family of the deceased, they are not preoccupied with the death of their beloved one. They are preoccupied with the death of their beloved one and people visiting them and what may be going on. They should not have to be worrying about food and drink and everything and sorting out everyone. That is something the neighbors should take care of. The Sheikh says it is a big mistake how people, they come from everywhere. They come to the family of the deceased and they sit around relaxing and talking like it's an event somebody's died everybody from everywhere is going to come from london here there everywhere and they're going to come to that family and it's a social event everybody sees each other after a long time this isn't how it should be this isn't what it should be so this is not the way that it is done this is not condolences for the deceased and this is a very bad innovation it's a very bad innovation the sheikh says وَإِذَا كَانَتْ هَذِي الْمَآثِمْ تُقَامُ مِنْ تَرِكَةِ الْمَيِّتْ فَهَذَا ظُلْمٌ لِلْوَرِثَةِ 
للورثة. Some people may even do all of that, make all of those arrangements, and people come and they get a house and they do this and that, and the food and the catering. They do all of it from the wealth of the deceased. They take a section of his wealth and do all of that. That is oppression upon the inheritors. You shouldn't be taking that wealth out to do this bid'ah. So that is all wrong to do this type of thing that everybody seems to do these days. The sunnah is the neighbors take care of those affairs. And as for these things about having a house here and a house there, men here, women there, go for condolences. It's not really something which is established in the sunnah to do like that. Uh, some of the scholars, they said we would never allow anything like this. Somebody dies, khalas, when you go to the mosque, people see you, give you condolences, etc. No need for we're going to prepare this house, men can come sit there. That house over there or the mosque upstairs, that's the sitting place for three days. This type of thing, the scholars, they say it is not established and it is not in the sunnah, even though there are some evidences, some scholars or some people may use to show that it is permissible to have these sittings at the death of someone and you can have them in three days and you can have them in the mosque or here or there. But many of the scholars have said it is not really sunnah to do that. People want to come and give you condolences, they can come give you that and leave. But to come and sit down all day and then people do all types of other innovations, get the beads out and do this and that. So this type of thing, it should be avoided. But the point of the narration is, regarding those organizations, the neighbors should be looking after the organization of those affairs with food and drink, etc. Not the deceased's family looking after those things. Then, عن سليمان بن بريدة عن أبيه رضي الله عنهما قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يعلمهم إذا خرجوا إلى المقابر that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to Teach them, when they used to go out to the graves, to say, As-salamu ala ahli diyari min al-mu'mineen wal-muslimin, wa inna insha'allahu bikum lahiqoon, as'alullaha lana wa lakum al-afiyah. Rawahu Muslim. That the Prophet ﷺ told them to say when they go to the graves, As-salamu ala ahli diyari min al-mu'mineen wal-muslimin. Salam upon the people of this residence from the believers and the Muslims. And inshallah, we are going to be joining you. And we ask Allah for us and for you, al-afiyah, safety, etc. So, what does this narration tell us then? It tells us of the dua that you make for the deceased when you visit the graveyards. That you make this dua, السلام على أهل الديار من المؤمنين والمسلمين وإن إن شاء الله بكم لاحقون أسأل الله لنا ولكم العافية. To say this dua when visiting the graves that is mentioned in the narration. Also, it actually mentions at the beginning that you start by saying السلام. So you give the salam upon them. يسلم عليهم كما يسلم على الأحياء. You give salam upon the deceased as you would give salam to the people alive. Imma annahu dua lahum bis-salama aw annahu yaqulu isma Allahi alaykum wa huwa salam li anna salam min asma'illahi subhanahu wa ta'ala tabarrukan bismihi subhanahu wa ta'ala. So giving that salam upon them is mentioned in the dua when you go to the graveyard you give salam upon the deceased. Ahlul diyar 
meaning the people of the graveyards. The people of the graves. Al-Maqabir Diyar, those residences, the residence of the Barzakh, Darul Barzakh, the residences are three. The residence of this world, Darul Dunya, then the residence of the Barzakh, Darul Barzakh, and then Darul Akhira, the afterlife. As for the residence of this world and the residence of the Barzakh, they are only to travel through. As for the residence of the hereafter, that is what will be forever. من المسلمين والمؤمنين السلام على أهل الديار من المسلمين والمؤمنين These are two great characteristics of those deceased that you are referring to them by that they are mu'mineen and they are muslimin and then you say وَإِنَّا إِن شَاءَ اللَّهُ بِكُمْ لَاحِقُونَ that inshaAllah we will be joining you soon that we will die too and we will be joining you soon there's an issue here that some people might mention. Why do you say, Insha'Allah? Insha'Allah, we will be joining you soon. You know absolutely you will be joining them. So, why the need to say, Insha'Allah? Okay, but what's the reasoning behind it? You don't know when, but still, the point is, we're going to join you. You know definitely you're going to join them. Regardless of when. So why insha'Allah? Okay, to join them as a mu'min and as a Muslim. To join them as a Muslim and a mu'min, perhaps. Here the shaykh says then, أَمَّا الْإِتْيَانِ بِإِنْشَاءَ اللَّهِ لِمَاذَا مَعَا أَنَّهُ مُتَحَقِّقْ أَنَّهُ لَاحِقٌ بِالْأَمْوَاتِ Why would you say insha'Allah when you know definitely you will be joining them? Uh-huh. فَلِمَاذَا جَاءَ بِإِنْشَاءَ اللَّهِ هَلْ هِيَ لِلْإِسْتِثْنَاءِ أَوْ هِيَ لِلْتَبَرُّكِ بَعْضُ الْعُلَمَاء يَقُولْ إِنَّهَا لِلْتَبَرُّكِ Some of the scholars said it is a statement of blessings. It is a statement of blessings. لَتَدْخُلُنَّ الْمَسْجِدَ الْحَرَامِ إِنْشَاءَ اللَّهِ That you will enter الْمَسْجِدَ الْحَرَامِ إِنْشَاءَ اللَّهِ It is like a barakah. You're seeking barakah that if Allah wills and Allah will, will that upon you. So what some of the scholars have said it is a phrase indicating barakah in it. When you say we will join you insha'Allah. وَقَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ إِنَّهُ لِلْإِسْتِثْنَاءِ Other scholars said it is to indicate an exception. Because you might die and you might not join the righteous. You are now a Muslim at the graveyard but do you know if you will die as a Muslim? So if you didn't die as a Muslim, you wouldn't be joining them. You'd be with the kuffar. So you say, inshallah will join you, inshallah I'll die as a Muslim and be with you. So that is the other possible meaning of it. فَدَلَّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثَ عَلَى مَشْرُوعِيَّةِ زِيَارَةِ الْقُبُورِ Hadith therefore indicates the legislation to visit graves, to remember death, as we mentioned before. وَدَلَّ عَلَى بَيَانِ الدُّعَاءِ الَّذِي يُقَالُ عِنْدَ زِيَارَتِهَا وَأَنَّهُ يَبْدَأُهُمْ بِالسَّلَامِ كَمَا يَبْدَأُ الْأَحْيَاءِ إِذَا زَارَهُمْ ثُمَّ يَعَقِبَ السَّلَامِ بِالدُّعَاءِ لَهُ وَلَهُمْ So when you visit them, you make the dua for them, ask Allah to forgive them, etc. And keep them safe and give them safety. But before making that dua, you give them salam just like you would give the living salam. 
كما دل هذا الحديث على بيان المقصود من الزيارة وأنه ليس للتبرك بالأموات أو الاستغاثة بهم أو دعائهم من دون الله أو التوسل بجاههم كما يفعله القبوريون وإنما المقصود هو الدعاء لهم والترحم عليهم والاعتبار بأحوالهم The hadith also tells us the reason why you visit the graveyards and that is to make dua for the deceased to make dua for them to go there and ask Allah to have mercy upon them and give them safety and security and raise them and to remember death yourself these are the purposes of visiting the graveyards not to go there seek blessings from the dead or to make dua to the dead asking them for intercession etc then عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال مر رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بقبور المدينة فأقبل عليهم بوجهه فقال السلام عليكم يا أهل القبور يغفر الله لنا ولكم أنتم سلفنا ونحن بالأثر In this narration just like the previous one it mentions that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم walked past the graves of Medina So he faced them and said, the graves of Medina, meaning the Muslims who had been buried now and died in Medina. One day the Prophet ﷺ was walking by those graves. So he faced them and said, As-salamu alaykum, ya ahl al-qubur. As-salamu alaykum, O inhabitants of the graves. Yaghfirullahu lana wa lakum. May Allah forgive us and you. Antum salafuna wa nahnu bil-athar. You are from those who have preceded us and we are those who will be upon thereafter. So this hadith again indicates that you make dua for the deceased, you ask forgiveness for the deceased, and you remember their state, and you recognize that you will be joining them where they are. So the point of this, أَنَّ الْحَدِيثِ السَّابِقِ فِي مَنْ قَصَدَ الزِّيَارَةِ وَذَهَبَ لِأَجْلِ الزِّيَارَةِ in the previous narration, it talked about if you actually intend to go to the graveyard, which is okay, and you can make dua for them, give them salam, and remember death. In this case, did the Prophet ﷺ intend to go to the grave? No, he was just walking past, and he happened to be walking past the area of the graves. And so no problem, you can still make the dua and give them salam, even if it was not your intent to go there. Uh, you just happened to be passing by, the same applies that you can still uh, give the salam and you can still make that dua. It is an opportunity to still do that. فَالَّذِي يُسَلِّمْ عَلَى الْحَيَّ الْتَفِتَ لِهِ وَيَقَابِلُهُ بِوَجْهِهِ وَلَا يُسَلِّمْ عَلَيْهِ وَهُوَ مَعْرَضٌ عَنْهُ So when you give salam to somebody alive, you face them. So the same here, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was going past, he looked and faced them and said the salam upon them. Just like somebody living, you'd face them to give them salam. So he faced them and gave them salam, assalamu alaikum. And then after that you make dua for the deceased in their graves, just like in the previous narration, the dua was made for the deceased. Then, عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم, لا تسب الأموات. فَإِنَّهُمْ قَدْ أَفْضَوْا إِلَى مَا قَدَّمُوا رواه البخاري وروى الترمذي عن المغيرة نحو لكن قال فَتُؤْذُوا الْأَحْيَاء In this hadith, Aisha رضي الله عنها says 
that the messenger of Allah وسلم, said, do not curse or abuse the dead. For indeed, they have now gone to face what they had done. The deeds that they've done in this life now, they've gone to face that. That's what they will be facing now in future, the accountability, etc. So they've gone to face that now. You do not curse them and abuse them now. Do not curse and abuse the dead. They have gone to face what they will now face in terms of their actions and what they've done during this life. فَإِنَّهُمْ قَدْ أَفْضَوْا They have put forth. They have done what they were going to do. So now there is no purpose in you cursing them or abusing them or anything now. You should not do that. Because now they've done their actions, they've passed on, their accountability is with Allah now. So for you to say anything now, there's no uh, purpose in that. And in the other narration, it also mentions, If you were to curse the deceased, you would harm their relatives. That would be something bad for their relatives to hear that their dead ones are being uh, cursed and abused. So two things here, there is no benefit in doing that because those dead now, their accountability is with Allah, whatever they've done. And secondly, you are going to be doing bad to their relatives and their close ones who uh, will feel obviously harmed uh, and their honor taken if it is heard that their deceased ones are being cursed. The Shaykh says that this is not something absolute because somebody may come along now and say to you people who have died from the innovators you shouldn't mention them anymore then. People who have died from the innovators you shouldn't mention them anymore then. The hadith says they've done what they've done their accountabilities with Allah now. However, that is not the case. And the Shaykh explains the narration doesn't mean that. Because some innovators, they may have books and, uh, and writings and uh, these days recordings and all types of things that people are still listening to now after their death. So you have no choice but to still warn against that deceased individual and all his works and his writings and his books. So in essence, you are still warning against him even after he's died. And that may be needed because of his works and his recordings and his lectures are still widespread amongst the people and still being used and people becoming misguided by them. So you may have to do that as a, an advice to the Muslims so that they do not fall into the traps of that individual even after he's died. But otherwise, if there is no purpose in it, then you do not speak bad of somebody who has died. He's died, he's done his deeds, and his accountability will be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in the earlier narration here, it mentioned when you go to the graves, give salam to the dead, just like you would give salam to the alive. Does that mean the dead can hear you then? Some people may use this as a proof and say, if you're going to go there, give salam to the dead, which is sunnah proven, that must mean the dead obviously hear you. In that case, we can make dua to them as well and ask them to take our dua to Allah as well. So what do you say? How do you know they can't hear? The hadith says give them salam. Isn't that a proof they can hear then? 
about it. That's it, then everybody's refuted. Proof is going to come, and that's it. But no, but this one is about the general graves. Hadith is about the general graves. You go to the graveyard, you give them salam. The Sufi or the innovator comes along and says, well, that hadith says, go give salam to the people in their graves. They can hear you, that means. So I'm going to make dua to this one and ask him to take my dua to Allah. Right? But there's an even better proof. What is even better proof? Is there an ayah in the Quran that says the dead cannot hear you? going to find out next week because it's going to be homework to find the ayah. The homework is easy homework. Find the ayah in the Quran that says the dead people cannot hear you. So that any time when people come to you and they say we're going to make dua to the dead people in the graves, we're going to ask them to take our duas to Allah, you can tell them the ayah in the Quran that says the dead people cannot hear you. You can make dua to them up until the day of judgment and they will not hear you. Too late now, you didn't answer before. So next week bring the evidence, the ayah reference, and the Muhsin Khan translation with it. And then we'll quote that next week and everybody can write it down next week as a clear proof that the dead in the graves don't hear you. And it's a big mistake that Muslims all across the world they make. Millions going to the graves of dead people, even if they might have been pious and righteous Muslims, they may have been great Muslims, but you don't go to their graves and supplicate to them and make your prayers to them, asking them to take your supplications to Allah. That is false and it is not from Islam to do that. In fact, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentioned in the olden days when they used to go to the graves, the grave worshippers, when they used to go to the graves and they used to call upon the dead in the graves. And these used to be people who used to be righteous, pious, noble Muslims when they were alive. So when they died, all of the other common Muslims and the common people used to think, go to the grave of that great noble Muslim who used to be. Go to his grave and supplicate, ask him to take your supplication, your prayer to Allah. It'll get answered quicker that way because it's going via this noble Muslim who'll take it up for you. You're such an ignoble individual, a sinner, a wrongdoer. Your prayer will not be answered. Your supplication will not be answered. So go via this noble Muslim who's died, ask him to take it for you. So they used to go to the graves and they used to call upon the dead. Oh, great Imam, such and such. Take my supplication to Allah, etc., etc. Or that I need this and I need that. When they used to go and do that, the spirits, listen to the story till the end. The spirits used to rise out of the graves. The spirits of those dead people. Looking like those dead people. That great noble imam who used to live amongst them. His spirit rises up in his appearance. So the people now recognize him. That's him. It's him. Look at him. 
That was him. So now they believe absolutely he can hear them. He rises up as the spirit form and he talks to them. But Ibn Taymiyyah mentioned, that is not the spirit of the deceased person in the grave whatsoever. The deceased person in the grave hasn't got a clue what they're doing on top of his grave. Asking him, making dua, supplications, prayers. He doesn't have a clue about any of that. What are these spirits rising up? The shayateen, the devils from the jinn. They take the appearance of that man, of that noble man, take his appearance and come out. Everybody thinks it's him. It's that great noble imam, that great Muslim. He's risen up from his grave. And it is not. It is from the devils who come and do that and cause deception to these grave worshippers even further. So grave worship and these things are not from Islam. They are not prescribed. And it is in fact shirk to do so. Any other questions before we round off? Oh. Your neighbor is not Muslim, so what? If the neighbor is not Muslim, then his family is going to do the burial according to their practices. Whatever their practices may be upon whatever religion they may be. So that is up to them. They will do that. That's, you can't do anything about that and you don't need to participate in that. And you shouldn't participate in that. That is uh, their burial, they'll do it upon whatever practice they have so they may do that the only exception is imagine you have a family member who is not Muslim for example you have a family member who isn't Muslim and they die can you attend their funeral as a Muslim you're allowed of course you can go and attend the funeral but you cannot participate in non-Muslim practices so if there are non-Islamic practices going on you don't participate in those. But just to attend and to give co uh, the, the consolation to the other family members, etc., you can do that. It may be your father, maybe your mother, could be somebody very close in your family but wasn't Muslim. You can go as a family member, but you don't participate in the non Islamic uh, rituals or anything. Anything else? What? Why not? In fact, some of the scholars say you shouldn't burden a person. As Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen, he mentioned something along the lines of, if somebody dies in my house, I'm not even going to open my front door to anybody to come in. He said, I don't open all these doors and everybody come and sit there for hours and this and that and all these things. So you could do it. Even at the masjid here, there, you see somebody, you give them the condolences, and that is something good to give the condolence and to uh, give encouragement to that person to remain patient to remain firm and not to lose hope and not to become depressed. Mm. No, that's it. Otherwise, you can just make a general dua that Allah forgives them, etc. That's it. You don't sit there making supplication for half an hour. You go there, you make a supplication, etc. You take the benefit of remembering death, etc. And you leave. You don't go and stay there. Staying at the graves is something mentioned that's not good. 
well, you say that out loud. You say it. You say this application. Because the salam, the purpose, obviously, you say it. It is said. And the dua is said. Anything else? That's the end of the chapter regarding uh, funerals and the rulings of funerals. So next week, inshallah, it will be something different. Next week, we'll decide during the course of the week what to do. And we'll advertise it on the uh, Twitter account of Al-Huda and the other Telegram and the other various uh, means. So what we're going to study from next week, inshallah ta'ala. But today, that is the final session regarding the issue of death and funerals and how the Muslim is washed and shrouded and buried. All of those things, that is the end of the discussion and that a brief overview on that topic. So, inshallah, this week, uh, keep up to date with the various channels for Al-Huda and you'll know what the topic is going to be for next week and we'll start that next week at 6.45 p.m. As usual every Saturday night, insha'Allah ta'ala. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.